0: This summer, I've been going through the book of Acts, uh, the story of the early church, and we're going to continue this morning in Acts chapter 21. This whole section has been about the Apostle Paul, one of the uh, leaders of the early church, and his missionary journeys. In chapter 21, things are going to take a turn, uh, because up to this point, he's been going from from city to city, church to church. Now, as he enters Jerusalem, he is about to get arrested uh, at, by the Jewish leaders there, and the next like six chapters are going to be a bunch of trials that he has to go through. And so uh, things change here, and they kind of slow down for him as his focus changes from proclaiming the gospel all around the, the world uh, to now dealing with uh, trying to fight for his own freedom. So we're going to read parts of chapter 21 this morning, and I want to focus particularly on courage because this is something we see in abundance in Paul's life, especially in this chapter And for those of us who deal with a lot of fear, it can be really instructive to us on where to find courage. So I'm going to begin in verses 10 to 15 of Acts 21. And you'll notice that this is written in first person plural because uh, Luke, who wrote Acts, is part of this journey with Paul. After we had been in Caesarea a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, And he said the Holy Spirit says in this way the Jews of Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. And then Paul answered, Why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I'm ready not only to be bound but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. When he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said the Lord's will be done. After this, we got ready and went up to Jerusalem. Let me stop before I continue there. Notice already his courage, right? A prophet comes and prophesies over him that he's about to go to Jerusalem, and while he's there, he's going to be arrested and handed over. And, of course, his friends are worried for his life and tell him, don't go. But Paul already knows that God has called him there, and he says, you know what? I'm going. and I'm not afraid to die. I'm not afraid to get arrested. I'm not afraid of anything. The Lord's will be done. And then in Jerusalem, as prophesied, Paul is seized by a mob, beginning in verse 27. When the seven days were nearly over, some Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul at the temple. They stirred up the whole crowd and seized him, shouting, Men of Israel, help us! This is the man who teaches all men everywhere against our people and our law in this place. And besides, he has brought Greeks into the temple area and defiled this holy place. They had previously seen Trophimus the Ephesian in the city with Paul and assumed that Paul had brought him into the temple area. The whole city was aroused, and people came running from all directions. Seizing Paul, they dragged him from the temple, and immediately the gates were shut. While they were trying to kill him, news reached the commander of the Roman troops that the whole city of Jerusalem was in an uproar. He at once took some officers and soldiers and ran down to the crowd. When the rioters saw the commander and his soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. The commander came up and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. And then he asked who he was and what he had done. Some of the crowd shouted one thing and some another, and since the commander could not get at the truth because of the uproar, he ordered that Paul be taken into the barracks. When Paul reached the steps, the violence of the mob was so great, he had to be carried by the soldiers. The crowd that followed kept shouting, Away with him. Can you help me with the slide, please? As the soldiers were about to take Paul into the barracks, he asked the commander, May I say something to you? Do you speak Greek, he replied? Aren't you the Egyptian who started a revolt and led 4,000 terrorists into the desert some time ago? Paul answered, I am a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of no ordinary city. Please let me speak to the people. Having received the commander's permission, Paul stood on the steps and motioned to the crowd. And when they were all silent, he said to them in Aramaic, I'm going to stop there. We're not going to read his whole speech because the speech is very long. It takes a couple chapters. So, What you see here is just incredible courage, right? He is getting beaten. They're chanting for his death. He's been seized by the Roman authorities. They're taken away. They have to carry him so that the mob doesn't kill him. And while they're carrying him away, what does Paul do? He says, can you guys stop a minute so I can say something to the crowd? Yes, the crowd that's trying to kill him, he says, just, you know, with your protection— I want to say something to the crowd. And he goes on to proclaim to them the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. He goes on to tell them, listen, I was just like you. I was a Jew like you. I grew up faithful to the law and the traditions of the elders. But Jesus appeared to me on the road to Damascus. And he revealed to me that my faithfulness to God was misplaced. It was sincere, but I was sincerely wrong. I was persecuting God by my faithfulness to the law, to the traditions. And Jesus turned my life around. And he saved my life. And now I'm going everywhere to tell everyone that Jesus is the Messiah, the one we've been waiting for, that if you confess your sins, if you trust in him, in the, and then you are saved from your sins, and you will have eternal life. The crowd doesn't want to hear this, of course. They continue to be a mob against him. And so he winds up having to be taken by the Romans to go on trial. But I want to look this morning at the courage of Paul because this man is so courageous that, in the midst of knowing what might happen to him, that he might be killed, he is not afraid, and he is dedicated to the mission that God has given him to preach the good news of christ 's life, death, and resurrection. Now, this passage in particular just is really um, applicable to us who are Christians who are trying to live faithfully and following God, but certainly it 's got other application as well, even if you don 't consider yourself a Christian, whatever you find that you are afraid of this morning, whether you 're afraid of losing a job, afraid of, of, of being able to survive and, and make a living for yourself, if you're afraid of losing loved ones, wherever you're having a hard time stepping out in faith and courage, I want to encourage you this morning with these words. And look at where Paul finds courage from this morning. There's four things in particular I want to mention. The first, his primary motivation is to bring glory and honor to Jesus. Where does his courage come from? First and foremost, I'd say it's from this. That the goal of his life... His primary motivation and focus is to bring glory and honor to Jesus. Again, go back to that passage we read in the beginning from Acts chapter 21. After Agabus gives this prophecy that he's about to go to Jerusalem and he's going to be bound and handed over to the Gentiles, and they plead with him not to go, Paul answers, Why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but to die in Jerusalem. Why? For the name of the Lord Jesus for the reputation, for the glory and honor of the Lord Jesus. That is the goal and mission of my life. And if he says, I'm going to Jerusalem, then I'm going to Jerusalem. Because my primary motivation is not my own safety. It's not my own glory and honor. It's not my own comfort. It's nothing in this world. My primary goal, my primary motivation is his glory and honor. And so if he calls me to go to Jerusalem, even if I'm handed over, even if I die, whatever might come my way, I'm going He's full of courage because his primary motivation has nothing to do with anything in this world. It has nothing to do with himself. It has everything to do with Jesus. In fact, if you go back one chapter, this was from what we read last week when he was talking to the Ephesian elders. He says to them, I've declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city... The Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. If only I could say those words, if only we could say those words with the same heart and passion and singular focus that Jesus, that Paul does here. He says, all I know is that... <laughs> The struggle is real, as Femi said. All I know is that I'm going to suffer no matter where I go. It's, it's, not, it's not going to be easy. But I'm not concerned about that. I'm not concerned about that. I'm concerned about finishing the task that Jesus has given me to proclaim the gospel of God's grace, to call people, both Jew and Greek, to repentance, to turn from their sins, to faith in Jesus. That's it. That's all I'm concerned about. And so whatever happens to me, happens to me. My primary motivation is his honor. That is what gives him courage. Two weeks ago, I talked about idolatry, and you might have been there for that if you were not. An idol is not just a statue. An idol is anything we place above God and look to for our comfort, for our meaning, for our significance in life. And whoever you are, we've all got them. We've all got things we place above God and say, that is my primary motivation. That's my primary focus. It may be money. Or a job or status. It might be a relationship. You place your kids above God. You place a spouse above God or, or wanting someone above God. It may be your own comfort or your own reputation. It may be beauty or looks. There's all kinds of things we can elevate above God and say, this is what I'm truly looking for for my significance, my satisfaction. As long as there's anything you place above God, you are going to experience a lot of fear in this life. Because anytime that is threatened, your kids, your job, your looks, whatever it might be, anytime that is threatened, there's going to be an instinctive fear and a desire to protect that. Because that's where your significance, that's where your life is found. And Paul says, away with that. Yes, I love all these things, but not more than I love God. What I want more than anything is to honor him. So no matter what happens to the things of this world, I can walk in courage knowing that I'm living for him. That's my primary motivation. Hebrews 12, one through three says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. As long as you are elevating anything in this world above God, you're going to be dealing with a lot of fear and you're going to struggle with courage and living courageously because you're going to instinctively want to protect your idols when they're threatened but if your primary motivation is to honor him, that's where courage is found. As a pastor, one of, these story, one of the stories that really resonated with me was a, I heard from a man named Jim Simbola. I don't know if you've ever heard of Jim Simbola. He's the pastor of Brooklyn Tabernacle Church, an enormous and very influential church in Brooklyn. And he tells a story once he had a, a few children, and one of his daughters had really gone off the rails in the early years of their church and had left home, and was involved in drugs, and just kind of, they didn't even know where she was anymore, and she was in such bad shape, and it was really hard, especially for his wife, and, and, and he talked about how his wife had basically heard, you know, the enemy saying to her, Satan saying, like, I've got one of your children, and I'm coming for the others, and how he talked about how his wife pleaded with him, we got to get out of the city, this is no place to raise a family, and how she said to him, you can come or not, but I'm leaving, I'm getting out of here, and that as a pastor, particularly hits home because so often uh, it's hard on a family when, when, when there's a pastor in the family. It's hard on the rest of the family. But he was able, and they were able, Jim and Carol together, to stay faithful to God. To not run away. To not say, you know, we got to get out of the city and protect our family. No, if God has called us here, God will make a way. And he has this incredible testimony of how God eventually brought that daughter back to Christ. And now she's in ministry herself. And you think of just, again, if they had been putting their children above God as an idol, what would have happened? They would have said, forget this ministry thing, forget that. we got to make sure we protect our family and get out of here. The first thing, the first place that courage from is finding your primary motivation and bringing up glory and honor to Jesus above any idol, above anything in this world. The second place that Paul's courage comes from in this passage is this. He trusts That God is with him and is always working for good. He trusts that God is with him. He's not in this alone. And that God is working for good. That no matter what happens, as he says, the Lord's will be done. Again, going back to that passage, when they're pleading with him not to go, he says, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to die. And they say, all right, the Lord's will be done. In other words, we're going to trust that God knows what he's doing. That even if Paul is arrested, even if Paul is killed, that God is good. That God is with us. That God knows what he's doing. He trusted that God loved him and that God was good. There is great courage that comes from knowing that you are not alone, that God is with you in whatever trial you're going through. You are not alone. Let me just share a few passages that truly bring this out. Verses John chapter 14, verses 26 to 27, Jesus said this, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. In other words, it says, I'm not leaving you alone. I will send my Holy Spirit to be God's presence in your life. So peace be with you. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Even though you're going to go through all kinds of suffering and trouble in this world, I'm with you. You're not alone. And 2 Timothy 1.7 seven. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. That's the spirit he gave us. It does not walk in fear and timidity, but in power and love and self-discipline. Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Where does courage come from? One of the main places knowing that God is with you. You are not alone. His Holy Spirit is in you if you are a believer. <clears throat> Hebrews 13, 5 through 6. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And so we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? So he's saying this in the context of money. For those of you who money might be an idol. He's saying, don't be afraid. God is with you. What can anyone do to you? Courage comes from knowing that God is with you and he is always working everything together for good. That you can't screw up your life beyond repair. It's good news. You can walk in faith and courage knowing that he is always working everything together for good. This is just, you know, one of the best passages of the Bible. Let me read Romans eight twenty to 39. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own Son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things I am convinced that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let that encourage you this morning. All those words, all those promises, where do you find courage? Nothing can separate you from his love. He is with you through it all, no matter what you go through. That he gave his son and he will give you all he needs. That he is always working for good. Let that encourage you this morning. Give you courage and faith. Make your primary motivation to live for him and his glory and trust him that he's with you and working for good. And then the third place that Paul's courage comes from is that he has an unshakable hope in the resurrection. When he is standing before the Jewish council, he says this in Acts 23.6, Paul, knowing that some of them were Sadducees and the others Pharisees, called out in the Sanhedrin, My brothers, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee. I stand on trial because of my hope in the resurrection of the dead. You know, I said before that if you're putting your hope in anything in this world, there's going to be a lot of fear because that thing can be taken away. That person can be taken away at any time. Any job can be lost. Any person can be lost. Health can be lost. Beauty can be lost. Anything you can lose it in an instant. And so as long as you're putting your ultimate hope in anything in this world, you're going to walk in fear and instinctively want to protect those things when they're threatened. But Paul knows that this life is not all there is and his hope is in Christ and he knows that there is life beyond the grave and his hope is in the resurrection of the dead. And so he walks in courage knowing that even if he dies, they can't take him away from God. 1 Corinthians 15 Fifty four to fifty eight. This First Corinthians fifteen is a long chapter on. Uh, whoop, I'll go back to that. I put the wrong citation at the bottom there. This is from First Corinthians 15, 54 to fifty eight. A long chapter on the resurrection. He says, "When the perishable has been clothed with Im- the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law." But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. It's an incredible verse, probably my favorite verse in the whole Bible there, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. We're saying because of the resurrection, because there's life after death, everything matters eternally. Everything that you do, nothing is in vain. Everything that you do, For God matters eternally. It says, let that give you faith and courage to live for him. Because it's not all in vain. It's not all meaningless. Because of the resurrection, everything we do, do matters eternally. And so we can say in Philippians 1, 21 to 26, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. His courage comes from knowing death is not the end. I mean, death, he says, is better. It would be better to be with Jesus where there's no more suffering, no more of this all the the garbage we see around us in this world. It'll be better by far to be with him. But as long as I'm here, I'm going to keep serving him. I'm going to keep loving his people till the day I die, to live as Christ, to die as gain. Courage comes from knowing that your primary motivation is nothing in this world, it's to honor God. Trusting that God is always with you, is always working for good. And knowing that there is life eternal, having an unshakable hope in the resurrection. And then lastly I just want to mention this as well not overlook this that Paul has a loving encouragement and prayer of Christian friends. I don't want to overlook that on the way to Jerusalem he stops in many places and visits with many friends and they all encourage him and pray for him. Cuz you weren't meant to go through this alone. You weren't meant to go through this alone. Life is hard. Life is not easy. Life is full of suffering. And you were not meant to go through this alone. Yes, God is with you, but sometimes you need the reminders of your friends, the reminders of your brothers and sisters to encourage you and remind you of God's promises, to remind you of his presence, to encourage you to persevere. Because on your own, you're going to be prone to discouragement and disillusionment, to forgetting about God and his promises. We need each other. First Thessalonians, Paul writes, and he writes, For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. We urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone. And in Ephesians 6, Paul asks them this. The Ephesians says, Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. And their prayers were answered apparently, right? Their prayers were answered because as he was in Jerusalem (laughs) and the mob wanted to kill him, he was fearless and he turned back to that mob and he preached the gospel to them. He told them about the good news of Jesus Christ You need each other. Again, I don't know what this morning has you afraid, what it is that has you instinctively protecting that which is being threatened. Wherever you're having a hard time stepping out in faith or trusting, I want to encourage you of these four things we look at Paul's life. Courage comes from making your primary motivation to bring honor and glory to Jesus. As long as your heart is set on the things of this world above God, you will live in fear. Make your primary motivation to bring glory and honor to Jesus. Secondly, trust that God is with you. He's always working for your good. You are not alone. You can't screw up your life beyond repair. Whatever happens, he is always working for good. Thirdly, have an unshakable hope in the resurrection. This life is not all there is. Again, if this life is all that there is, imagine how much fear that's going to put in you. But it's not. There is life eternal. And all who put their trust in Jesus will be with him forever. And lastly, lean on the loving encouragement and prayer of your Christian friends. You cannot do this alone. You are not meant to do this alone. We have community groups to be a part of. We have plenty of people out here who would love to pray with you, encourage you, remind you of the truth of God's word. So do not go it alone. Let me close this in prayer. Lord, we thank you for Paul. We thank you for how you filled him with your Holy Spirit, how you encouraged him, how you made him fearless in the face of such persecution. And Lord, we confess to you that there are so many things that bring us fear in this world, bring us anxiety in this world. We confess that in many ways it's because we have idols that we've placed above you and we lay those before you. We pray, God, that you would help us to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness and trust you with the rest to make our lives about your glory and your honor, to trust that you're always with us, you're always working for good, to remember the hope of the resurrection. Help us to lean on each other and encourage and remind each other, Lord, of the promises of God. We thank you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.